525,600 minutes. You know this? 525,000 moments so dear. 525,600 minutes. How do you measure? Measure a year. So go the lyrics of a song entitled Seasons of Love from the 1990s Broadway musical Rent, uh, which is loosely based on Puccini's 1890s opera La Boheme. But it's also my question to you as we come uh, to the beginning of the last month of 2023. We come to the beginning of the season of Advent, and we also come to the start of what we refer to as a new church year, which uh, I'm sure is causing a number of my uh, colleagues to begin their sermons today by saying, Happy New Year to the church, even though that's not a greeting that you will hear outside in the world for about another month from now. But uh, prompted by a question that one of you actually asked me some time ago uh, about what this whole church year thing is uh, really all about and why it begins in December instead of uh, January. And instead of launching into the themes of uh, Advent and characters like John the Baptist and what it means to be ready for the coming of Christ, I thought that uh, today I would take a shot at that question. And uh, that musical question from the Broadway musical and uh, talk a little bit about what the church year really means to us and what these seasons of God's love are all about and, and their power to make a world of difference in the 525,600 minutes that are now unfolding before you and me. Because, you know, when you think about it, so much of life, you know, kind of revolves around our calendars. You know, our commitments, our priorities, our choices, our celebrations, even the relationships that form the patterns of our behavior, and they repeat themselves like a cycle over and over again. Uh, many of you here at St. Andrew have heard me say a number of times throughout the years that the story of your life is written in two places. One of them is your calendar, and the other is your financial statement. Show me how you spend your time and show me how you spend your money, and I'll tell you what's important to you. I'll tell you what really matters to you. In the life of the church, uh, our calendar revolves around the person of Jesus Christ. And it begins uh, on the first Sunday of Advent and not on January 1st. And uh, as we turn its pages, it moves us through music and through color and through ritual and tradition and the growing light of an Advent wreath and words that engage us into the story of Jesus and his promise coming into this world. The color of Advent is blue because that is the color of hope. It is the color of the sky. And it's here now to remind you not to focus too much on all the things that are staring you in the face this December, but to lift up your spiritual eyes and to look to God and put your hope and your faith and your trust in him. Characters of Advent are people like Isaiah the prophet and John the Baptist and Joseph and Mary, all of them, people of hope and examples to us of what it means to faithfully wait for God. But then the season will soon enough change. And with it, the color will also change as we come into the time of Christmas. 
And the color is white, uh, not blue, to represent uh, the light of Christ coming into what Martin Luther referred to as uh, the darkened stage of this broken world. The song will change from O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, to joy to the world, the Lord has come. The vibe will be different, moving from anticipation and preparation to celebration of gifts given and received as we move into the time of Christmas. The season of Christmas that begins on the eve of December 25th and continues for 12 days until we find ourselves moving into yet another season known in the church year as epiphany, which means manifestation or appearance, and during which the wise men of the Magi enter into the story. Jesus grows up very quickly and is baptized by John in the Jordan River, and then he launches his public ministry with the call of the first uh, disciples. And so if Advent is about the promised coming of Christ and Christmas is about the arrival of Christ, Epiphany is about the mission of Christ. And when you take all three of those seasons and put them together, you have what is known as the time of Christmas. Uh, But I got to give you a little heads up uh, because next year, the season of Epiphany is going to be very short. And that's because next year, Easter falls on, ready for this? March 31st. Ash Wednesday is Valentine's Day. So get your tree down (laughs) and be ready for that. And that is because in the earliest days of our faith, Christians celebrated Easter concurrently with Jewish Passover because after all, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus took place in the context of Passover. Jesus is referred to as the new Passover lamb. Easter is referred to and called Christian Passover in many parts of this world. But then in the year 325, the leaders of the church determined to detangle Passover and Easter for the sake of emphasis of the Lord's uh, resurrection. And they determined that Easter would be celebrated on a Sunday every year, and that Sunday would be the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Isn't this fascinating? (laughs) But it's also true. And so the calculation of Easter then is preceded by the 40 days of Lent, symbolic of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness, the 40 years that the children of Israel traveled in the desert and into the promised land. And so when you put those 40 days before the calculation of Easter, that's where you get the longer or shorter season of Epiphany. And then the changing season gets a little more dramatic as we move from the season of Epiphany to the season or the time known as Lent. And so if Advent and Christmas and Epiphany are about the coming of Christ and the mission of Christ, Lent is obviously about the sacrifice of Christ and the rituals and the traditions and the psalm, the songs point us to the cross, to the enormity of our sin, the enormity of God's love, to the course corrections that may be needed in order for us to follow Christ. Stories of Lent are going to be about people who honored Jesus and hailed him as their king and others who tried to destroy his kingdom of grace. The word Lent comes from the old English word lengthen, 
because it's during Lent that the days are now growing longer again, and they're pushing you in the direction of a new springtime in your life, including your walk with God. The color of Lent is now purple. And that's because at the time of Christ, purple dye was so rare and it was so expensive that it was reserved for a king. And as Lent comes to a close, we then enter the holiest week in the entire church's year with our own praise of the King of Israel as we say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, as we sit spiritually in the upper room on Monday, Thursday to celebrate uh, the Last Supper, as we stand at the foot of the cross to contemplate the enormity of his sacrifice because of the enormity of his love for you and me. And then the most dramatic seasonal change of all as shouts of crucify him are replaced with shouts, he is risen and the victory has been won. The color is once again white. The flowers speak to the arrivals of this new springtime in our lives as we enter into the season of Easter, which continues for 40 days until the ascension of our Lord, 40 days after the resurrection. And then 10 days later, on the 50th day, the church will celebrate Pentecost, which means 50th. When the Holy Spirit of God came down as in tongues of fire on the people of Jerusalem and the, and the church in a manner of speaking was born. The color of Pentecost is red to represent the tongues of fire that rested on their heads. In fact, that symbol also is represented by those pointy hats that the bishop wears. You know what I'm talking about? Never really liked them, but that's what they represent. Red is also a color that represents the blood of the martyrs, the people who gave their lives in witness for Christ, which is why you will also see red as the color of the day on festivals like the Reformation or at the ordination or the installation or the funeral of a pastor. And then finally comes the long season of Pentecost as we move from the time of Jesus to the time of the church, from the festival half of the church year to the non-festival half of the church year. And the lessons go on and on for the rest of the entire year. Uh, they will challenge us and they will also speak to us about the great blessings that come in being followers of Jesus, in, in being the church together. And the color of the season of Pentecost is green because it's the color of growth. It's the color of the grass, the leaves, and the pastures. And the season of Pentecost goes on for many weeks until the church year finally comes to an end, and then it begins again on the first Sunday in Advent. In other words, today. And while there's a whole lot more to this, including uh, festivals and commemorations and the fact that uh, some of our fellow Christians uh, observe the Julian calendar rather than the Gregorian calendar, which makes the timing of some of these things a little bit different, I think you get the idea of how in the life of the church, our calendar evolves around the person of Jesus.
the promised one, the Christ, the crucified, risen Lord. How do you measure, measure a life? At the risk of doing a little more preaching than teaching today, I give my long answer to that short question as a way of reminding all of you here today that whoever you are, like every year, every life also has its seasons. And some of the seasons in your life are going to be filled with hope and anticipation and preparation for something wonderful that is about to happen to you. Some of your seasons will celebrate gifts given and receive with great joy. Some seasons will turn out to be a little longer or maybe a little shorter than you were originally anticipating. Other seasons in your life will challenge you and they may mark a course correction in your life. And some seasons will feel like a long winter of grief and of shame during which you will find yourself yearning for this new springtime. Whatever season in which you might find yourself as you come to the beginning of this new church year today, I'm here to remind you through our color-coded church calendar that your story has been interwoven into the story of Jesus Christ and is coming into this world to be with you in all the seasons of your life. And through ritual, through tradition, through music, through color, and above all, through his word, he will speak to you. He will continue to tell you his story in every season. And whatever it is that you find right in front of your face, it will help you to turn the pages of the days and weeks and months and go on in the sufficiency of God's grace. It will help you to prepare your life for a future that is always unknown. It will enable you, strengthen you, help you to see the flow of time in a different way as you approach the next 525,600 minutes of your life. In Psalm 31, David finds himself surrounded by enemies outside of his nation and opponents from within his nation. And yet he looks to God and he says, I trust in you, O God, my time is in your hands. And if all of this sounds like a kind of a shameless commercial uh, for putting worship on your calendar in the coming church year, then I would invite you to go with that feeling and do it. Because we are here to tell the story of Jesus. Every day, every week, every Sunday, every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday, until you know that your place in that story will always be secure. And so I invite you to come and hear that story because we've been telling that story and we will continue to tell that story throughout this brand new church year. And as the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew enters in to a 75th anniversary year of Jubilee that is not far away and across the threshold.
In his defense of uh, some of the traditions and rituals of the church, including the things that uh, I've been talking a little bit about uh, today, uh, the writer and theologian G.K. Chesterton, who is British, uh, gives us uh, what continues to be one of my favorite quotes. Uh, I know that some of you have heard it before. If you haven't, here it is. He says, the thing I mean can be seen in children when they find some game they especially enjoy. And the child kicks his legs rhythmically through excess, not absence, of life. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit, fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated. They say to us, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again and again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is. Perhaps God is the one who says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately and has simply never tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite for the infancy of life and that we are the ones who by our sin have grown old. And so the repetition of the story may not be a mere recurrence. It may be that we are experiencing the encore of God. Happy new church year to you as we walk again together through all the seasons of love and we measure our life, not by our success, not by what we have, not even by how happy we are, but by the fact that we are the children of God who in Christ has come to this world and he is walking with you every single day. Amen. Let's rise.